Good morning and welcome to a totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Morne, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. Hi guys, good to be back again after <laughs> the national break. Yeah, so tomorrow we take on Leicester City at the Emirates. Uh, thoughts, tactics, and your opinion on how the game could pan out? Thoughts is that uh, I think we're going to get the result. Uh, I think Christopher Samba is going to be missing from the game. He's suspended. Um, that's, I think that's a big plus for us. I mean, I think we can bully maybe the defence. Then um, uh, that is Damari Gray as well. He's also out for the game. And I think he was always a threat um, with, with his pace. And then... Um, the guy we need to watch out for, I know Vardy's been the lynch, but, but I think that Madison guy, he's, he's been really good. He's impressed me since he's come back from, I mean, not come back, he's coming to the Premier League from the championship. I feel he's stepped up a lot, and I think he's a real danger man. That, but I do think Torreira will be able to snuff him out, and I think Torreira will be able to, to, to close him off the game. So I do feel the three points are coming our way. I hope, I hope Aubameyang and Lacazette both start. I think they should be both ready to go. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see now who's going to be playing is Ramsey, Mkhitaryan, between Ramsey, Mkhitaryan and um, Uzel. Because one of them is going to have to drop down to the bench, if not even mm. both. I mean, like, uh, the thing is, if you think of it also with, with regards to Leicester, now, look, they come into the game. Cause it's actually tough to... to uh, you know, make a, a genuine judgment on on the type of season they have because they've been quite inconsistent. I mean, they've like said one, two, and they've come up with like say two or three defeats, and they've again yeah. one, one, two. So, I mean, at the moment, I think they've played eight, one, four, lost four. So, but uh, uh, so, so it could also be a dangerous proposition to take on. But I mean, I, th- I think as you said, we should have you know enough in the tank to see them off. It's probably going to end up being a, a, a riveting game because Leicester and us, we always have those last-minute goals. I hope it's not going to be anything like that. I mean, we go back to last season with Giroud with that late header and you can go back even to um, Valentine's Day of uh, 20, 2016 where Danny Wildwick came and uh, scored that late winner. So... Yeah, and I think also there's, there's some stat I also saw something of, you know, Vardy also scoring quite, like, uh, you know, on a, also a run against us. He's like, you know, consistently scoring against us. Yeah, I can actually believe that. I've, I mean, I think most games for Leicester do score past us. He is involved in the goal. So, um, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to shut them down. I think Arsenal defense has to be switched on. I think. Like I mentioned, the Mad Madison guy has the ability to slip a through ball through, and his his delivery into the box is is quite good as well. So we're gonna have to be switched on. I mean that we've showed time and time again against Leicester. If we're not going to be alert, and they they will get their goals past us. And you know, one thing Emery is also going to come up against a coach who does not fear changing tactics in. You know, in a game, because I don't know if you remember when Puel was at, at, at Swans, yeah. he ended up in one match. I think he changed it to the formation like three times, and I think they beat us. It could be that one game where they beat us at, at Highbury, at, I don't know, Highbury, at the Emirates, where he 
tinkered so much with the team. I mean, and I was thinking the more he's tinkering, the more he's gonna, you know, yeah. mess up the squad or the, the the balance of the team. And I mean, they ended up just overpowering us. I mean, we had like no, you know, no resistance really to the attack. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good test for Emily. I mean, Leicester, like you mentioned, it's not going to be a walkover game. And we we expected to get the result, but it's gonna it's gonna be a good test for him to see, you know, tactically what he's gonna do because. They, they, Leicester will come at us at times as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts and things like that for, for tomorrow night's game. This is actually going to be quite a hectic week for us if you think of it as well, eh? like bigger picture. Because we have the game on, on Monday, Monday night. Then we have an away game at Lisbon the Thursday evening. Yeah. And then we got the, in the Sunday game. Which is against Palace away, so you know game coming thick and fast. Well, in that on the Wednesday or Tuesday against Blackpool. Oh, the week after, yeah, the week after that, then we have the get Blackpool game. Oh. But I think luckily, I think it's another home game yeah, it's, in the it's, league it's cup. Home game, yes. uh, it's all it's very yeah. much winnable fixtures, and then we we eat. Is it after Blackpool? Is it against Liverpool we play? Could still be another league game in between, and then we have Liverpool. I think. Because they but winnable fixtures that we play up until obviously the yeah. Liverpool game. So now we got our players back after the international break. And I mean, luckily we now did not have, I think there was problems with Aubameyang, with his national side. So I don't think he went for that Gabon fixture. Then you had Lacazette not chosen at all for France. Uh, who was it? So look, Mustafi is also now fully arrested because he's not really in the Germany setup. So there's quite a few players that we have that you know are well, you know, rested yeah. for this game on Monday. And I think he will probably push them because I don't think it would have been just been now. Okay, you're not playing for your national squad. You're just getting the time off. I think he probably would have had some drills in between, you know, working with the players that he have as on hand. Because if you think Ozil also should like being home most of the time now in that international break. So probably get, you know, get things worked on and that. So they should be well fresh for the game because I don't know how many Leicester players had on international duty as well. So that could also come to the equation. Where did you start Uzel on on Monday? Well, it's a home game and I think less pressure on him, you know, like no people really on his back. And I mean, if you have somebody like Torreira behind you and you have grafters like Xhaka alongside, and I mean, he is kind of protected, you know, like to do that. Because for me, at the moment, we, uh, uh, Emery is actually getting the sort of performances out of Ozil that Mourinho was getting at Madrid where, you know, he doesn't need to... I'm not saying... I'm not trying to condone that he does not tackle with it, but he actually plays with more freedom and you can see he keeps the game ticking when he when he's just allowed to go and you know, work his magic because sometimes it looks like a simple five-yard passes, but he's like, you know, getting into that pockets of space where it like opens up everything for everybody else. So I think that could also be key. I mean, look, Mkhitaryan can do the same job because he, like I said, he also feels very comfortable in that position. And I mean, we've got Ramsey as well, but I don't know, with the more that seems as we're heading now to this January window, it's almost like when we really push then, he will probably put Ramsey in, but I don't think he's now really Desperate to put Ramsey in with his old contractual dispute and and him on the verge probably of leaving either on a free or being sold in January. So you know it's all up in the in the balance in that number ten role. 
I, I think uh, the, the luxury I would say we have now compared to previous seasons, if somebody was in a Rams situation with a contract running down, the, the squad would be so um, shallow that the squad so shallow that we would have to play a Rams. And even though we've seen this time in, time out of Bingo in a place in his last year of contract and his mind is just the alternative, but to play him, for example, with Sanchez. You saw in the last, the latter part of his um, season at Arsenal, that last few um, months at the club, he, his mind wasn't there, it wasn't the Sanchez we saw. And yeah, I think you're seeing the same thing with Ramsey at the moment. I think he, he comes on more, you know, where he knows the guy has to make an impact. Because, I mean, there's probably a couple of suitors watching me like, with a potential move away. So, you know, he's going to have to give his all when he gets that cameo roles. But I just, I don't know. I, I think Emery's also thinking down that line of, you know, his mind could be gone if I'm just starting him in the game and his head starts drifting. Look so, rather, you know, play the safety net and let him just come on as a sub, impact sub or something like that. And, and the thing is, like you said, because he's as the, the cameo role, he has a short time to impress his other suitors who wants to maybe sign him because... No one's going to want to sign a rusty player that hasn't had game time and not performing. I mean, so quickly in the transfer market, players are coming and going. So, if he if he obviously comes on for Arsenal, I think we can use him in that manner where he's going to almost have an audition for other clubs every time he comes on to play. You know, I mean, uh, I'm you know, I know many say it's like a lost cause type of thing, but I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that he does stay because... I still think, look, at his age, he's now like the prime of his career. And I mean, you take Arsenal now under not only this new management, but when you look at that, that whole squad built now, almost like around people like him and Aubameyang and them, you want him to, you know, lead them on to a, another two, three years. And then, you know, then maybe let him then go if he wants to, you know, complete his career. We like, maybe wants to go back to Wales or try maybe MLS for a few seasons, something like that. But just for me, I just think we must get this few years from him, like get three years or so from him for us in our colours. And not because I know Man United are sniffing as well. I mean I would not want to really sell him to no. any English team. I would rather let him go either to Italy with Gazidis at Milan or just get him to PSG or Spain somewhere, something like that. Just get him far away from the club and from from the UK. Because He's the type of player, I don't think he's like, he got the mindset of, of Alexis, where you see him now, you know, down and out now at Man United. I think he will, you know, he will shine. He, it's almost like the way Van Persie did it at United in that one season. I think he still has one of those seasons in him. We can really make an impact on who, either us or whoever else he signs. Yeah, I, I think maybe before um, Emre, uh, Ramsey was very stag- stagnating at Arsenal. Like, we had that one season of his, and then after that, it's like he just couldn't get hit the ground running anymore. But I do think that Emre could bring the best out of him. I mean, we saw what he's doing to the rest of the squad, and it's clearly down to how the coach manages his players. I mean, we had the same bunch of players last season, but we couldn't buy a win away from home most of the time. And look at yeah. that. Uh, one thing I also noticed, uh, Emery knows like when they hit at certain points, like, you know, I'm not going to let you, like, Wenger used to always talk about that thing of not hitting the the red zone and stuff yeah. like that. But with, with Emery, 
if he sees you in that, that like I would say, the, the orange like zone, or, you know, going in from yellow to orange, that because, that, look, they keep it on that, that scale, that, like, like a color scale, like yeah. the player's physicality and, and stamina conditioning and that. I think with Emery, I don't know if you saw the other players also. If he sees you in that orange zone, you out. Like not yeah. not not like want you in my team, but you know, grab a seat, rest out, take okay. whatever. And we yeah. we've got other capable players to do the job. Yeah, and that's good to see as well now at the moment because, like you mentioned, Wenger would have played the player into the ground. He picks up a two-month yeah. injury, and then he gets a rest, and then then another guy comes yeah. cold. But now Emirates almost like he's rotating the squad, but the squad is not feeling it because he's not making six or seven wholesale changes. It's like one, two, then the next week, another one, two. So there's a lot of fluidity in the team still, and the chemistry is still there amongst the players. So when Because, I mean, I, 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 also, like, for me, Emirates ace in the hole at the moment. Like, say, if you take defense, it's like how he can... Look, he knows Rob Holding can go. Like, you know, play, play, play. But he knows, look, with Mustafi and, and Socrates, he has to be careful. So he rotates them in and out. So that, that squad kind of has that continue, continuity yeah. about. So it's only like, you know, one is missing and the other one comes in. But, you know, there's no, you know, not really putting a span in the work. So it's it's fantastic the way he's now man managing this team. It's Because, it's, you know, Vega had that neck. Say the first five or seven or even ten years of his, his Arsenal career, but then it's not like he started waning when you know through pressure and and our budget, of course, being yeah. like you know tight with the stadium move and all that. But now you can see when when somebody now is in like he's all settled in and whatever. Now you have a, a guy that can now you know man manage perfect almost because I mean he's man managing this team perfect because no, he, the team gets if he sees. Monreal is on to get in the red zone, whatever. There, um, Kolasinac comes in, or uh, Bellerin like, gets his maybe his rest now for the, the midweek games when it comes to the, the, the cup and that. But it, other than that, it's like you know, he's, he's just keeping that machine going and rolling forward, rolling yeah. forward like that. And I like that. I, I think as well, we, we have a lot of competitive um, competition for places. I mean, they, now there is literally almost two players for every position, and not just like a player to fill the position, like a quality replacement. I mean, you look at our goalkeeper, there's two like world-class keepers. Our back mm. four, we have like four centre-backs that obviously when Kostiyelny comes back, you will have four centre-backs. I mean, that midfield position, Torreira has been a revelation. And I mean, you have that Quintozzi, you can even squash in there as well. So, from the back to the front, we have the competition for places. And players know if they're not going to perform, they're not going to start. I mean, Uzola, yes, I know every time he's been so-called sick, inverted commas, and he hasn't played. But, I mean, we, he would have been starting all the time. Ramsey, as well, would have been starting all the time. So, it's a case of if players aren't performing, they are not starting, and they have to come off the bench and prove themselves. And also... I like what he does when he takes Aubameyang off. Like, not a lot of coaches would do that if, if he saw his team was struggling to score a goal. I mean, to take Aubameyang off. I mean, what was, what was, it, was it that Watford or Everton game when he did that? Mm. But um, with regards to now, back to that international talk as well, um, I think the only guy that, uh, that has come off 
somewhat with the, with the knock is Socrates, but Emery said he'll see it now out how it goes the weekend if they do not uh, 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 training sessions or like a slight medical checkup on him. But he, I mean, he could or could not play now the Monday, but now, other than that, all the rest have come back from international duty, like unscathed. So, you know, touch wood, hopefully, that's a good omen for us also now. For the, you know, that takes us again to mid November when there's again another international break. Uh, I see Liverpool came off quite bad with losing, I think, at the Sadio Mane. So it was, uh, it, uh, it was good that we, we normally were victims to players being injured over the international break. Yeah. Oh, another good news I saw is that uh, Kosielny now has started full training again with the first team. I mean, he's still, you know, probably a good few months of even getting into the team or even a bench slot. But, I mean, just to see him, you know, doing actual tougher uh, physical training because early on he was actually just doing running because he had to now start, you know, walking again. Since yeah. that Achilles injury is quite a bad injury to have. So, you know, he got through that. He got through the running phase, the I think the stamina phase, and now they're starting to work now on the match conditioning. So it'll be good to have it, have him back. I think we need to maybe use him as a you know city uses the Benton company where you know you don't play him every single week. You're just playing him in games where you feel you can actually he's needed so we don't have the same issue again because obviously it's gonna be probably a recurring thing with his Achilles. Because I mean one thing when you when you look at someone like Cosielni, a stature in the in the team and then Say someone like Socrates, you can see the two of them are guys that that have either been captain or have captain side. So you know they know how to marshal the defense and organize a team in general. So even when when Kosielny comes back, you do know that you know the team is in good hands, having either one of the two waiting in the wings. And you know, look, because look, Mustafi, as much as he's now sometimes he makes people my ear out with some of his decision making. But at the moment, I mean, it's almost like Rob Holding is keeping his head yeah. you know, on the game, which is actually weird, if, you know, from a guy in his early 20s, you know, almost like commanding, a, you know, an experienced uh, international centre-back. Uh, so, I mean, I just hope that also keeps going. I, I, I know people make fun of this back and back in the minute we just signed you, but, and I don't also jump the gun, but... With all the people that are molding his learning and uh, around, I mean, I think he could be maybe you know a future club captain like a Tony Adams like at, at Arsenal actually. If he goes, things things have really made it was like you know made a big turnaround in his career. If you think that you know we were on the verge of either like selling him, I don't know if you remember that that April and May of this year it was actually talk of when when it comes this transformation, he would get the cut. Callum Chambers would get the cut completely. And I mean, probably either season-long loan with a, 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 a possibility of a transfer away. Yeah. And then, of course, like after Chambers went to Fulham for the, that, that loan deal, then it was down to, you know, Chambers. And I thought it was, oh, gosh, the, you know, the, the trigger is going to come down on him. And then I think after that, that uh, Freiburg defender that uh, kind of fell through, it was almost like, Emery and then probably thought, you know, let's cut our losses. Let's make use of what we have. And, I mean, he has, you know, repaid the manager tenfold. Because, I mean, I, I, honestly, when I look at him now, 
I don't recognize that holding of like say half a year or a year ago. It, you know that that nervy, uh, clumsy, sometimes reckless with passing. Now he looks more. I don't know. Maybe it could even be the, the you know the way the training is going. If you think of of that uh, Camacho guy, yeah, the assistant, or Casero, whatever his name is, the way that guy is keeping, you know, the, the guy is on point. So you actually see a more confident, and then um, I actually feel more comfortable now watching because I still always, you know, I have one eye, one hand over my eye when when holding is playing, and now I feel more confident seeing him now playing. But when it comes down to coaching and training methods, I think because, I mean, you would see Arsenal players making the same mistake week in, week out. And no, remember that, that, like I said, Torreira incident against Chelsea. I mean, we would see a lot of that happening. But, I mean, ever since that, I mean, Torreira doesn't just pass the ball uh, like that. And people don't get caught in the ball as much as they were. So, I think, like, remember it was Xhaka's agent or someone's agent who said, like, Wenger doesn't, like, you know, correct your mistakes that you make. It just keeps on going. Almost there's a blind eye to it. So, Look, I don't know if you, you heard the story also. I mean, it is like a true thing, a true fact. Um, You know, that day when we played, it could be that one Europa League game away that, that we won that, that, what was it, 3 no something yeah. like that? Did you know Emery actually gave him that whole Friday and I think part of the Saturday off, like, you gave them was like a because uh, normally, like on a on a on a Friday uh, like under the Wenger in the Wenger era, it was like even if you come home the like Friday morning like three a.m. they just shift the training for later that morning, and then everybody is back there again preparing for the Saturday uh, or Sunday game I should say, but he actually gave them the Friday off the minute they touched that because look they wanted to be back in London immediately after the game. So, I mean, it's almost like, you know, charter plane, uh, charter the plane, get to London, and that's it, switch off. And then, I mean, it's like just probably, I think they came just in the Saturday for the, you know, almost like tactical talk and, and light training. And look, you saw that sort of performance that you saw against Fulham yeah. on that Sunday, which was like a, a ruthless performance. And, and, and teams normally are a bit leggy after. European, um, so it's a good thing. I mean, it's good that that Emirates is coming with his own ideas and philosophies. It's not sticking to the um, Wenger way of doing things. You know, some people like just carrying on the of the previous person, but it seems like he's coming in fresh with with new ideas, new strategies, and and a new philosophy as well. I mean, like you said, also that you know, Emirates one thing I also want to touch up as we now you know sort of round off this podcast um, that. Other day, I saw a comment by a former Sky Sports reporter. I think he's got his own blog, podcast, YouTube channel, uh, Guillaume Balaguer. Yeah. He's always supposed to be like this La Liga expert. And what kind of <clears throat> annoyed me, and probably a lot of Arsenal fans as well, on his YouTube channel last week, I think you can still find it if you go on his channel, he made a remark of where he finds Arsenal lack for like you know, going into this now, uh, even with this tra- changes in that transition period, he says we don't have any match winners. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, uh, you had in Liverpool fans, Chelsea, some some Chelsea, and even the odd United fan coming in and saying like, "What is this guy talking about?" Because if you take games like Watford, you take games like Newcastle, stuff like that, that is certain matches where we would have come and stuck. Things are not always going to be Ankadori against a top. 
three, top four side. Definitely. It comes down to, you know, when you uh, how you can manage with these type of teams. Because if you think, uh, uh, I saw Klopp also writing, uh, not writing, uh, giving an interview the other day, where he said, sometimes what he can't figure out is how Liverpool can sometimes play a team in the top half, off the park, yeah. and yet are struggling or they, they get maybe points nicked off them from teams lower, lower down. And it, it comes down to that is when your supposed or like, you know, Balaga's match winners, that's when they normally would pop up. And the sort of, of pressure we had to absorb in, in those uh, various games, because I'm not saying we were fantastic, because I mean, there were a lot of games where we won and we kind of scraped through it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the tenacity shown by the players, like, you know, we're not going to lose, we're going to try. Because for me, Cardiff was another game where I thought to myself, on another day, we're going to take that two points and go home. I also had that, that slight mindset because I was worried at one point. And I thought, you know, maybe it is better just to go home with a, yeah. a point. You don't know how this thing is going to go because with this game being played like a basketball game, like you shoot, I shoot, you shoot, I shoot. I thought it's going to go very, very wrong for us. And then, you know, like as it pops up with that goal. Yeah. And we store things up there often. I thought to myself, oh, wow, we dodged the bullet. But now, almost like now, you can actually see who the match winners are, whether they come from up front or whether they're going to give you that, that killer pass in midfield. But you can see the all guys that are not going to give up. They will try and try till the end. You know, they're not, you're not going to see that white flag type of performance. No, that no, we, no, we don't see so, that anymore. We don't see that anymore. I mean, when we... When we uh, Perfect example that Fulham game where we conceded and maybe another Arsenal team would have folded, but we came back second half and just carried on with our business. Because I, I think like the competitiveness you see it comes from the the training ground, and you see you see go back onto the football field in a in a serious like you know competitive match, and that sort of morale. I mean, you got it's almost like a brotherhood right now that you see in training. You have that little banter and things like that. But once that, that that team gets put on that field, then you see that you know that passion come out, that desire to want to drive home and get that win. Because sometimes there is like that. Honestly, that what game, what game, game was also a game where I thought, how are we gonna look? I, I thought we could win this game go through all that pressure. They were yeah. Watford would buckle, but I was just thinking to myself, how are we gonna get that? You know that sort of breakthrough and that, and then it, <clears throat> it came via that own goal. Where it's just almost like you know, kickstart everything, and then you then you saw, you know, Arsenal going all over, being like swarming Watford in at the end, and then I thought to myself, that could be, you know, that's a turning point, and that is where your match winners come. And at the moment, for me, the the sort of performance we're seeing out of Lacazette, yeah, shows me that he can be a match winner. No, it's, he's he's been on top form, like he can't fault him. He's just been bagging in the goal. He's finishing. Has been top class. I mean, for me, that goal against Fulham, that first goal was, you know, when you beat the keeper in the near post and everybody thought he was going to maybe, you know, eat it. Yeah. Right, and just but I was going to the far post yeah. to see, like, where the ball. So, so for that, it speaks volumes. I mean, last season, I was very much against, like I said, you know, wanted to press through him and stuff like that. But now it seems he's coming into his own very much. And I think it's also like, you know, a, a poke in the eye for Deschamps also for. Overlooking him always at the moment. Well, it's a benefit for us, though. I mean, we have a fresh yeah. player who is going to be ready to go all the time. So I'm not complaining about that. Okay, so we will draw a line on that. Uh, 
predictions for the game tomorrow? Uh, I would go female Arsenal. I'd go 3-1. So we'll say goodbye on that note. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care and bye. Cheers, guys. Hello, fellow Gunners from Icicle, Germany, and greetings to my co-host on the other side of the world, Aiden, in sunny South Africa. Hello, oh. guys. A warm 35 degrees from uh, Cape Town over here. It's actually an absolute belt here. Um, it's been, what, 11? We've won. It's been it's really good to be a Gunner at this point in time. Yeah, so we are going to touch on now the first, uh, the Monday night game that we were first previewing. Um, it was, again, it was playing out as a tough game, the first half against Leicester, who, as we said in the, you know, pre-podcasting, Puel was in a setup shop, you know, almost like perfect against us. And almost like they went like for like with us for most of the game, even though they played like a 4-4-2. But, I mean, they were playing a very, since the new Arsenal playing a high defensive line, Vardy and Iannaccio were just hanging in their own half and just waiting for Madison to loft balls over into the Arsenal half, which, of course, they had the speed to run onto. But, I mean, the likes of Leno and, and uh, Socrates, they saw... or uh, Mustafa, sorry. They saw things off well in that first half because, I mean, it was a storm we had to win. Um, uh, that, that Madison guy really gave us trouble. I, I felt but that I felt that second half, we really nullified him and that's why eventually he got substituted. Yeah, because... <clears throat> You must also remember, at the moment, we are playing a brand of football. I mean, I, I'm going to touch on it for the after the Lisbon game, but it's, there is a, a new type of tactic that one pundit specifically has picked up on, and I'm going to go into in depth like when we start talking about the Lisbon game. Um, with regard to the Leicester game again, um, <clears throat> we went behind to uh, and own goal. You know, almost like, I mean, in a way it was coming because the amount of pressure that they were, you know, putting on us, we were buckling eventually because you can only, you know, weather so much before something has to give. And through yeah. a, a bit of, you know, lack of concentration, because if we look at the replay again, I think of the goal, you can see Lacazette loses Chilwell. And since Mkhitaryan was sucked into the middle of the park, it left the, uh, Chilwell, oh, you know, acres of space to gun towards our box, and by the time Ballon was sucked first to the middle, and then by the time he now realized, oh, crap, I've, you know, I'm going to have a guy running on the overlap. By the time he pulled wide, uh, he, all he could do was almost like just stick a foot out, and then he ended up just steering that, because it was actually a cross. It wasn't a shot. It was a, a cross or missed shot, maybe. But, I mean, he then steered the ball past a flat-footed Leno, and, I mean, we were 1-0 down. And I mean, you could sense, okay, the crowd were you know, wobbling a bit with that goal that we conceded. But that's it. The team did not, you know, put their heads head down or whatever. They got back up and started applying the pressure because so after the 35th minute, you could see we were really cranking it up, the the, the, the pressure and the intensity of the game. Well, there's, there's two things I want to touch on, like both the pro and the con. I mean, the one thing about the, this, this um, Arsenal team at the moment, they're starting very slow games and uh, it's good we crank up the pressure and like, you know, towards the end of the first half <clears> and then <throat> second half done right. But 
the problem comes to me is that when you're playing maybe a Liverpool or you're playing uh, well, a, a Man City or even a, a Tottenham, you don't want to let him get in the game and get their rhythm going because it can be a very tough game for Arsenal if they find themselves 2-0 down. It's not going to be easy to orchestrate a comeback like that. And that being said, another thing that I can say as a pro um, from Emre's side, the, the way he, all there is tactics, like when he put he, he brought he put Iwobi on the was it on the right side to almost help to was nullify Chilwell because second half you he didn't even hear Chilwell's name at all anymore compared to the first half and then that Xhaka at left back also was actually really good because he, he played an absolute stunner actually yeah because look <clears throat> you could see in that uh, you know there were parts of that 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 second half where you could see he was getting adventurous you know. Going about, you know, tempted to go, but you know, he slowly slotted in back into that left back position. But then, with regards now to that first half, still again, which we equalized with a fantastic Ozil goal, something that he yeah. started from the middle of the park, where interplay between him and Bellerin, and I mean, he got himself in the box and he just almost like just caressed it and it like just yeah. kissed the ball, just kissed off the post and into the net. And I mean, it was like a, a perfect goal because, as Martin Tyler said, because we had him as the commentator, as he said. He knew the minute he stuck the ball, he was already wheeling off in celebration. Yeah. So he knew. Yeah, you know. he was. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think that the, this performance and in general, if you could sum up Una Emre's night, it would be the perfect ten because it was ten in a row that night, mm. and he finally played Uzel in the number ten role as well because he's always been playing Uzel, you know, wide and stuff like that. But that's the first time he made Uzel almost like that. Number ten, and he actually was a linchpin in this game. I mean, for me, the, the look, you not jumped in a way ahead of it, but what I wanted to say was the master stroke was that substitution that he made. Because I mean, I didn't notice it at first, but um, when I was watching the Premier League show that was um, Lee Dixon and and Matt Holland the other uh, yesterday, yeah, they were just discussing, you know, when 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 Doozy and and Aubameyang came on for Dicksteiner and Mkhitaryan. They said, you know, that whole tactic was already prepared well, well in advance, that that whole tactical switch. Because they said, if you watch it, that even the highlights package, I think you can watch. You can see Gwendozi, the minute he runs onto the field, when 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 Dicksteiner comes off, Xhaka already, without any conversation or, you know, you know normally a little gesture that, yeah, you know, go in there or whatever. You just see uh, Jaka immediately go into that left back, left back position. So you could see that was already pre-planned. That whole thing, uh, the whole tactic now of playing like that. So you know, he, he slotted in there, and I mean, then you could already see uh, one thing we could see now. Also, um, Lesser were tiring, and I mean, tiring badly. From that hour mark, you can actually see there's a point where Ozil starts getting time with to put his foot on the ball yeah. and look up and look up. Um, Gwendoza as well, and you could see slowly but surely, you know, where we Leicester were one man, like first off, doing all that, you know, making it compact, pressing something. Yeah. All of a sudden, there it's like you know, they're giving them the ball when it came to to uh, us attacking them in their box or around the air in, the, in their third. The minute they get the ball, they just booted it forward or booted it into touch because you could see every time that we were just coming wave upon wave, and you knew something was going to give. and Look, it was almost like an Obama Young blitz. Because yes. at, at that first goal was almost like something that you, that you would see 
on a TV game or something like that because yeah. Oza gets the ball, Bellerin already knows, okay, that's going to be played into that, that, that space, that open space. Chilwell didn't even bother tracking because, I mean, you could see he was totally switched off, you know, and as you said, with that tactical change beforehand also, all of a sudden, Chilwell was not that threat anymore going forward because almost like now yeah. he had to start sitting back and when he had to defend, you could actually see he's also got holes in his game. And I mean, it was like, oh, yeah. it was like yeah. a perfect, you know, inch-perfect pass. And I mean, it was a, like a little, just a little dink pass, Kasper Schmeichel for that 2-1. And then, I mean, just when you think that, you know, the crowd was already rocking, the players yeah. already playing with confidence. And then, you know, leading up to that third goal, which was probably, for me, goal of the weekend. I mean, I'm sorry to be biased or whatever here, but... You see that minute that ball leaves Leno's foot and that all the way that movement starts. It's like watching, you know, it's a type of thing, a moment where you actually want to be, you know, like a drone and just look down and watch. Yeah. You know, the thing gets pinged around like it. And I mean, it was so, so fast. I mean, it went one minute to, to Xhaka, who plays the infield, I think. And then it was that Ozil with a little back flick to, to yes. Bellerin that was already steaming forward. And I mean, the minute he was going to cut the ball infield, I mean, I did not expect that little step over dummy from, from Ozil, where he just ran over the ball. And I mean, the minute that ball got chopped into that pocket for from um, Lacazette, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, like that perfect, perfect goal that you would say, yeah. set-up goal, where it was again, uh, Aubameyang just with a simple tap-in after that fantastic little out, outside of the foot pass by Ozil. I think it was, it's just the team just on the same wavelength. Like, for this, the way that, 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 that uh, like I said, knew that Uzo was going to leave the ball and he knew exactly where to play the ball without even almost like having to hear anything. It was like a, a telepathic yeah, thing yeah. where everybody just knew where they were. And it's and, and something that's been missing for Arsenal in, for a long time. Because you know, and, and, and for those listeners also, if you want to get an idea of, you know, that, I, uh, that, that goal that was scored, the third one especially. Watch the Arsenal on the Arsenal channel on YouTube. They have a training session from, you know, leading up to, I think, to the Leicester game. You must yeah. find the exact date. And then you can actually see they are training that exact, exact move. I kid you not. Just have a look at that clip. Because they set up dummies on the on the training pitch at, at, at Colney. And you can actually see it at, at that little give-and-go passes just in that little, in the, in the penalty area. And you can see it's like it plays out perfectly where it, it just gives that, uh, you know, whoever's going to score the simple tapping because uh, it's almost like the ball is always going to be spread left or right and then a, a, a perfect 45 cross and it just gets tapped in. Well, one thing I like also of of the, the Arsenal team at the moment is the, the depth and strength that's coming from the bench. I mean, um, Emery doesn't, I'm going to say, he doesn't care about your reputation. He'll put you on the bench like, the likes of Ramsey, the likes of Aubameyang, they they are on the bench. Maybe like Emre, like he doesn't just put players in the positions wherever they feel because of who they are and, and like their, their their stature or whatever. Because uh, the likes of Wenger wouldn't have done and taken these bold risks that Emre is doing at the moment. Mm. I mean, uh, what what I'm actually enjoying to watch is this this constant drive going forward. You get like Iwobi. Yes. Gets the ball, turns, goes forward, Gwendozi or whatever. Or I, I don't know. Sometimes El Nini kind of still has that old, old brand of football. Anyway, you know, you'll get the ball, 
but you don't have that confidence on the just to you know that that lung busting run forward and will stop and play like a little safe pass back. And I'm thinking to myself, just you know, get on that 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 almost like that Emery bike and go forward because that is because I mean the, the faster we play, you can see that we we put the fear of God into most of these guys, most of these teams that we play, especially the defenders, because they are not expecting those balls to be pinged around and. Look, we've got actual, like, you know, ballers in our team that can, you know, do that quick little triangle passes around you or that give-and-go stuff or that, you know, that little dink through the middle, stuff like that. That is the brand of football. And, I, you know, I, that's where I worry about people, even like Makatarian um, uh, at times or yeah. like El Nene, because you can actually see these things where I'm like they are not on that same page at the moment. Or, I mean, I, I don't know how many scruffy passes I've seen in the last few matches where the guitar comes on and you think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm st- I hope this guy, you know, it, it pays off. But I don't know, at times it seems almost like that whole Alexis, Vegetarian deal, I think it's like both parties somehow just got short chains in a way. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to, I just want to slag him off now for that, but I don't know, it's like there's something that does not, you know, just run smoothly or gel in the steam. I don't know. It's a tough, I, I, tough yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think him and Uzel can play in the same team. I don't know if it's just my personal thing. Like they they mm-hmm. they. I think they maybe get they want to they get each other's way, but uh, they they'll never kind of almost both be on on song together like that. So you know, one thing that I'm uh, that I'm picking up is like Emery puts Makatari more as a winger, you know, or outside yeah. left, or outside right. But it's like you can see that that. Um, Mkhitaryan always has that urge to run to the middle, which of course clogs yeah. up everything. Like, as you said now, you know, where it's like they they almost like in each other's way. So, you know, something's gonna have to give there. And I mean, I don't think you know Ozil at the moment is gonna be the guy that he drops. You know, so you know, either adapt, he should either adapt his game right, or I don't know, he, he's gonna be at risk of you know being also slowly phased out and then. Probably shown the door, like you know, if an offer comes in in uh, next summer, then they will probably say, okay, probably, you know, like a natural winger for that position. Then. Yeah. You know, one thing about Uzel, actually speaking about him, like under Emery now, this last few games, now he's working much harder off the ball when we don't have the, when we when we lose possession, he's trying to put in tackles, and I mean, he was coming in from deep also, like he comes and fetches the ball almost now as well, like you saw in the in that. Um, in the Leicester game, we got the ball from deep for that um, that th- the third goal we scored. Yeah, so it's like and, and and he's also like making those late runs into the box. Like he's he's, he's everywhere. Like now, I don't know what Emre told him, or I don't know if it was the protection of having to behind him that he feels more safe, almost like a bodyguard guarding him that he can yeah. just go and do what he must do. Okay, so now um, <clears throat> we're gonna draw a line on that game. So we talk now about the. Europa League's game at Sporting so, so, Lisbon. Um, I just want to congratulate you on your prediction as well. You did call it 3-1 and you were spot on. Thanks, bro. Um, as Andrew Nassena, we were playing now Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League away. Um, you unfortunately could not watch the game as you had other commitments, I think football-wise. Yeah, football commitments, yeah. yeah. So, it was a good game. I mean, what... You know what? In a way, stood out. I mean, in a way, it was kind of sly of, of Lisbon. They set up their squad like on you know when they have to match. I need the sheets to your. Yeah. It's like four three three. And the more I was watching that game, because 
They've got the guy at left back. Okay, I know some of those numbers mean nothing in today's football. But they had a guy, like a number nine. He played, I think, at the World Cup. Could be for one of the South American countries. I can't think now of which one. Acuna. Could be even Uruguay. Could be Mexico. I'm not sure. And he was playing, or he's registered on that thing as a left uh, left back in that 4-3-3. Yeah. And I was watching that game. You could see Porto were playing as, uh, sorry, not Porto, <laughs> Lisbon were playing a game, a formation, something like 2-5. Three, because that Akuna guy was playing so far up, you can't even say it was really a you know a, a left back. Yeah, he was you know looking more like a you know wing back type. But I mean, look him and that guy. I don't know that guy's name was Petrovic or Petrovic. So the the right back, Lisbon's right back, they were so quick going back and like you know back in attack or going to defend. Yeah. They were so. They could make up that unit of four again in defense, but for most of that game, especially first half, when they went out, because they look, they also had us on the ropes quite a bit. They had like just um, that Coates that used to play for Liverpool, they had Dimas at center back, and they had another guy, Pinto. And they were almost like just like a two man wall, and they were just sitting all the time in their half, and like the rest of the team were just almost like flooding us. <clears throat> and you know, I thought to myself, look, there's also only so much we can handle. Something's gonna also give if we're not gonna yeah. hold on. Look, there were a lot, a lot of close calls in that game. Also, where Socrates could have been sent for a professional foul because he was, I mean, clearly tugging the guy back. Rob Holding again. I mean, we didn't touch on it in that Leicester review, but yeah. Holding again, you know, had his hand in a weird position uh, with the ball, smacked his hand, could have uh, given away a penalty, even could have been a red as well. There, so you know, we also rode our luck in that first half. But then you can see as the <clears throat> the second half wore on, that, you know, the same way, and that is now where I'm going to touch on what that Matt Holland said with regards to uh, the Emery tactics. He showed a list of, of the last, I think, Premier League games. And uh, it could be even six or seven games. And we go into that games every time, 0-0, 1-1 type of thing. Yeah. And then, so second half, Arsenal just run uh, roll over you. And like Lee Dixon first didn't say, oh yeah, like you know, it's you know, it was like just a rub of the mole type of thing. Or rub of the green, I should say. And Matt Holland said, nah, but he thinks Arsenal playing a type of tactic where for 10, 15 minutes, there the ball is yours, attack us. Then after that, when you get to that that, that 20, 30 minute mark or 35 minutes, then all of a sudden Arsenal start taking control of the game. And they don't attack, but they start knocking the ball around. So it's almost like now you can start pressing us. You try getting this ball from us. And then you see that, you know, that, that in the comfort zone where they, you, you know, they lure two or three players onto them because they know they want to play a tight press game. Yeah. Lisbon. Leicester, did, uh, Leicester also wanted to do that same, you know, tight press game. And then they just start knocking it. So it's almost like you've got, in, Les, in the, with the Leicester game, you had Vardy and, and um, Iannaccio pressing, yeah. pressing. All, all first off, I mean, they, they did play well. And then second half, when you ask anybody now, what did Nacho and Vardy do second half? Nothing. Because yeah. the tank was empty. They could do nothing anymore. They did not have anything. And the only attack that was coming was in midfield and stuff like that. So you had now the same thing play out there with, with Porto. Um, why don't I keep on saying Porto? And you could see they were slowly being gassed out because that, especially that, that, that middle quarter of the game, they had nothing anymore because they were just, you know, woofing forward and, you know, waiting for 
uh, you know, a misjudged pass or misheader or something. But I mean, we were like, you know, sweeping up everything, you know, that was coming our way. And I was just, yeah, go on. That's definitely a point, a good point that you're mentioning of how you're saying Arsenal are like almost give the team the ball and they try to at least go in by half time, nil nil, one one one, and they start steamrolling the team because. I could be under correction, but I don't think we've led a game at halftime yet in, in terms of the Premier League. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, you could see, you know, and, and, and through that, uh, when, when, when um, Welbeck scored that winning goal on 78 minutes, yeah. it was also through, number one, lack of concentration and a lot of fatigue. Because that quad is almost like, he almost like half stood on the ball and at the time, you know, Welbeck nicked it already off him. It was almost like he did not have the legs. I mean, he, he managed to get his uh, you know, balance back again. But he had no legs to really carry him. And that uh, that covering defender, Pinto, did not have the pace to, you know, turn up to yeah. catch up to Welbeck. And I mean, he just smashed the ball between the keeper's legs for the winning goal. I mean, it was also a fantastic, fantastic finish. Yeah, I saw the finish. It was very well taken. I think Welbeck's been doing well when called upon, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, it's showing now how everybody is is, is uh, being, you know, made part of the team. Not like, you remember under Wenger, it was almost like people were sulking on the bench. And then it's like, yeah. come on, it's like, uh, you know, I don't really feel like this or whatever. But, I mean, now it's like you get the guys, they come on, they do their business. I mean, I, mean, I saw... Ozil, when he realized at, at I think it was ten or something minutes or eight minutes to go, that he was not going to be subbed in for that last few minutes of the game, he was upset, and it, it tells you how eager they are now to play and and want to be in. But I mean, that is where I, I really admire Emery because you can see he's keeping the squad ticking and going and uh, exactly now you everybody's happy now you know yeah now you know on 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 this like the Palace game again. You're gonna have Ozil in now. He's gonna want to prove something again. So look, I didn't. I actually deserved, you know, that little bit of a cameo there, or you know, uh, Lacazette that came on also with about ten minutes ago. Yeah. He's probably gonna also want to put in a shift now. So you have that, you know, that that, that the, the look. You have that nice banter, uh, training, and yes. that, but you also have that little rivalry also. So you know, it's all, it's all, all in all, it's like a, a, a you know, this big pot. You're mixing all these personalities together, and it's all like benefiting the team now as a whole. And then you get no, it, and you can see on Instagram even like the the when they won that eleven in a row, everybody's posting about it. Even the guys who didn't play in the game, so it feels like it's their win. It's like our win, but it's not like oh, just the guys that's playing in the Europa League squad. It's their win because that's what Wenger used to do. He used to have a, a Europa League squad, a Carabao Cup team, and this team. But now it's just one team. Everybody plays together. It's like like there's no importance in like prioritization in competitions like Europa League, this guy's are all the whole squad is gonna be there. The uh, you know, the whole squad's gonna be there. That's uh, like the only thing I find annoying of of I mean as much as well as we're doing is how the media are you know really playing all this down. I mean I'm not <clears throat> I'm not uh, saying uh, like you know some of them go, oh yeah, they're winning this but it's not it's not making a title contenders fine. We accept that but it's not us talking about it because look if you ask any any Arsenal fan, like you know, uh, you know that that that's uh, I'm like a realist. Yeah. I'll tell you straight. You know, our aim is to get that in the Champions League. We see yeah. you know, where we get to, like you know, end of the season. We are not talking. I have not heard any any Arsenal fan 
and I mean, I follow them on, on Twitter, Arsenal fans on Twitter, and, and I have some friends on, on Facebook. And None of us have spoken about, oh, yeah, we're going to go off and win the league. We're going to go off and... No, we are just being real about everything, <clears throat> taking every game as it comes. And I mean, every game also comes with a different tactic, different, you know, game plan and whatever. And, you know, us as fans are accepting it because we know we've got the new manager, not much as, of course, expecting that first season because... Look, it was a whole, uh, as you said, also with the whole trans- transition and all that stuff. So, I mean, we accept, you, you know, we take things at face value. We're not, uh, you know, running our mouth off and, oh, we're going to win the Champions League, the league, Europa League and everything. We just take it game at the game. And I think, uh, like, when you hear people that are, like, you know, commentators or pundits that are kind of biased to, you know, the old teams and stuff like that, I yeah. think, you know, almost like subconsciously, they are a bit nervous because you look at any of the other teams, how many have on a, on a win streak like this? You know, honestly, I'm like yeah, I'm still being real about it. I'm not saying, oh yeah, we're gonna win the league. I mean, for me, top four would be actually a bonus for now. I mean, anything yeah. else is a uh, is a bonus. But I mean, for now, that now is like you know what we should gun for the the top four. And, yeah, it's and like it's... Pe- people on us, you know, I was like, oh yeah, Leicester's uh, like not a, a strong yeah. or this, and yet. When when Liverpool, you can you please explain to me what makes Liverpool championship material if they winning like one 0 at Huddersfield away, and we just wipe the floor with some other teams like away from home? And what? Here's the uh, yes, different story. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's always it's always the case with Arsenal. They'll say we're not beating the big teams now. Like oh, we're not beating the smaller teams now. We're beating the smaller teams. It's oh, they've only played. The smaller teams, but you still have to get the job done. And okay, do you remember? I don't know if it was like it could be seven, eight, or even ten years ago. Do you remember also? There was a time where I'm not sure if it was Liverpool or United or somebody, but they lost against all the the top three. And they ended it was up, United. It was United. And they won the league. Yeah, and then they ended up. As long as you finish, look at the end of the day, you have to see if you get the points against. Whether it's mid-table or lower teams, and that's what they did. They might have lost yep. to the big guns and whatever, and they ended up winning it without beating a big team. So, if I'm, how does that... if I'm watching you, I'll be happy if Arsenal lose to Liverpool but go on another 12-game winning run. Because, look, the, the next few games are going to be tough for us, no doubt. Yeah, but I think Palace away is also not going to be the easiest of fixtures. Salas Park hasn't been good to us. Yeah, but from what I look at the moment, this season, what I've been again going on, I've been actually checking teams' progression from the actual season. And they are, again, the problem that, that they have, you know, like we said, Leicester were inconsistent. I guess, you know, yeah. won four, lost four at the time before they played us. With Palace again, they are struggling to score goals at home again. Now, now the pressure's also on them. Can they not do it? And Look, we know again we're gonna face again a, a, a you know a storm on on like tomorrow. So yeah. We're gonna have, probably have to weather the likes of 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 some Zaha and Townsend. But then I think after yeah. that you nullify them again. Then it's again open season on that midfield and the open season on the defense as well. So ever I go at them, and I mean if we're gonna turn on the pace again like we did against Fulham, and I mean, look that was not a, a typical away performance. That was now yeah. ruthless. Yeah, so, I mean they could also set themselves up for something if we play play them. Would you go Aubameyang and Lacazette 
Paul's on the on the pitch on 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 Sunday. I would, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think because at the moment he's very happy letting Auba come on like with you know uh, half an hour to go because. And he's scared. Did you see Aubameyang's stats with that, that substitution thing? So he comes on. How many goals he scored from as a, like as a sub? He's got a oh, lot in the bag. What's it exactly? I think he's got now. What was it? Two, four? Could be five in in five in about sixty-five or yeah, or eighty-five minutes of play as a sub. Oh, as a sub. That that that's actually uh, for those Arsenal fans who are sad about losing Sanchez. Sanchez only has three Premier League goals, and Aubameyang has done more than that coming off the bench. Yeah, it's scary. So we think now tomorrow, hopefully, another three points in the bag. Let's look at. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough, probably again, since especially the way we play. But I hope we take that three points, and then next up is in the Blackpool game in the Carabao Cup. So I hope you guys all have a good weekend and hope you enjoy the rugby later on, Aiden. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be mad at Newlands. But before we go, prediction for the game. Let's see if we can get to the game. No Arsenal. Uh, I'm, I'm also going for 2-0, no, actually. Okay. Take care. Okay. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye. Hello, fellow Gunners from Icicle, Germany, and greetings to my co-host on the other side of the world, Aiden, in sunny South Africa. Hello, oh, guys. A warm 35 degrees from uh, Cape Town over here. It's actually an absolute belter. Um, it's been, what, 11? That we've won. It's been it's really good to be a Guna at this point in time. Yeah, so we are going to touch on now the first, uh, the Monday night game that we were first previewing. Um, it was, again, playing out as a tough game the first half against Leicester, who, as we said in the you know pre-podcasting, Puel was in a set-up shop, you know, almost like perfect against us. And almost like they went like for like with us for most of the game, even though they played like a 4-4-2. But, I mean, they were playing a very, since the new Arsenal playing a high defensive line, Vardy and Ian Nacho were just hanging in their own half and just waiting for Madison to loft balls over into the Arsenal half, which, of course, they had the speed to run onto. But, I mean, the likes of Leno and, and uh, Socrates, they saw, or Mustafi, sorry, they saw things off well in that first half because, I mean, it was a storm we had to win. Um. Uh, that that Madison guy really gave us trouble. I, I felt, but that I felt that second half we really nullified him, and that's why eventually he got substituted. Yeah, because <clears throat> you must also remember, at the moment we are playing a brand of football. I mean, I, I'm going to touch on it for the of the Lisbon game, but it's, there is a, a new type of tactic that one pundit specifically has picked up on, and I'm going to go into in depth like when we start talking about the Lisbon game. Um, with regard to the Leicester game again, um, <clears throat> we went behind to uh, Bellerin own goal. You know, almost like, I mean, in a way it was coming because the amount of pressure that they were, you know, putting on us, we were buckling eventually because you can only, you know, weather so much before something has to give. And through yeah. a, a bit of, you know, lack of concentration because 
if we look at the replay again, I think of the goal, you can see Lacazette loses Chilwell. And since Mkhitaryan was sucked into the middle of the park, it left the uh, Chilwell. Oh, you know, acres of space to gun towards our box. And by the time Ballon was sucked first to the middle, and then by the time he now realized, oh, crap, I've, you know, I'm going to have a guy running on the overlap. By the time he pulled wide, uh, he, all he could do was almost like just stick a foot out and then he ended up just steering that because it was actually a cross. It wasn't a shot. It was a, a cross or miss hit shot maybe. But, I mean, he then steered the ball past a flat-footed Leno, and, I mean, we were 1-0 down. And I mean, you could sense, okay, the crowd were, you know, wobbling a bit with that goal that we conceded. But that said, the team did not, you know, put their heads their down or whatever. They got back up and started applying the pressure because so after the 35th minute, you could see we were really cranking it up, the, 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 the pressure and the intensity of the game. Oh, there's, there's two things I want to touch on, like both a pro and a con. I mean, the one thing about the, this, this um, Arsenal team at the moment, they're starting very slow games. And uh, it's good we crack up the pressure, like, you know, towards the end of the first half <coughs> and then yeah. second half, done right. But the problem comes to me is that when you're playing maybe a Liverpool or you're playing, uh, well, a, a Man City or even a, a Tottenham, you don't want to let him get in the game and get their rhythm going. Because it can be a very tough game for Arsenal if they find themselves 2-0 down. It's not going to be easy to orchestrate a comeback like that. And that being said, another thing that I can say was a pro um, from Emre's side, the, the way he altered his tactics. Like, when he put, he, he brought, he put Iwobi on the, was it on the right side to almost help, to almost nullify Chilwell. Because second half, you, you didn't even hear Chilwell's name at all anymore compared to the first half. And then that Xhaka at left back also was actually really good because he, he played an absolute stunner, actually. Yeah, because look, <clears throat> you would see in that, uh, you know, there were parts of that, that, that second half where you could see he was getting adventurous, you know, going about, you know, tempted to go, but, you know, he slowly slotted in back into that left back position. But then with regards now to that first half still, Again, we equalized with a fantastic Ozil goal, something that he yeah. started from the middle of the park. We interplay between him and Bellerin, and I mean, he got himself in the box and he just like just caressed it. And it like just yeah. it's the ball just kissed off the post and into the net. And I mean, it was like a, a perfect goal because, as Martin Tyler said, because we had him as the commentator, as he said, he knew the minute he stuck the ball, he was already wheeling off in celebration. Yeah. So he knew. Yeah, you know, he was. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think. This, this performance and in general if you could sum up Una Emre's night it would be the perfect 10 because it was 10 in a row that night mm. and he finally played Uzel in the number 10 role as well because he's always been playing Uzel you know wide and stuff like that but that's the first time he made Uzel almost like that number 10 and he actually was a linchpin in this game I mean for me the, the look you not jumped in a way ahead of it but what I wanted to say was the master stroke was that substitution that he made. Because, I mean, I didn't notice it at first, but um, when I was watching the Premier League show that was Lee, um, Lee Dixon and, and Matt Holland the other, uh, yesterday, yeah, they were just discussing, you know, when, when, when Doozy and, and Aubameyang came on for Dicksteiner and Mkhitaryan, they said, you know, that whole tactic was already prepared well, well in advance. That that old tactical switch because 
Like I said, if you watch it, that, that, even the highlights package, I think you can watch. You can see Gwendozi, the minute he runs onto the field, when, when, when Liechtensteiner comes off, Xhaka already, without any conversation or, you know, you know normally a little gesture that, yeah. you know, go in there or whatever. You just see Xhaka uh, immediately go into that left back, left back position. So you could see that was already pre-planned, that whole thing, uh, the whole tactic now of playing like that. So, you know, he slotted in there. And I mean, then you could already see um, one thing we could see now also um, Lesser were tiring and I'm mean, tiring badly. From that hour mark, you can actually see there's a point where Ozil starts getting time with, to put his foot on the ball yeah. and look up and look up. Um, Gwendoza as well. And you could see slowly but surely, you know, where, where Lesser were one minute, like first off doing all that, you know, making it compact, pressing something. Yeah. All of a sudden, there is like, you know, they're giving them the ball. When it came to, to uh, us attacking them in their box or around their, in, their, in their third, the minute they get the ball, they just booted it forward or booted it into touch. Because you could see every time that we were just coming wave upon wave and you knew something was going to give. And look, it was almost like a Obama Young blitz. Because yes. at, at that first goal was almost like something that you, that you would see on a TV game or something like that. Because yeah. Ozil gets the ball. Bellerin already knows, okay, that's going to be played into that, that, that space, that open space. Chilwell didn't even bother tracking because, I mean, you could see he was totally switched off, you know, and as you said, with that tactical change beforehand also, all of a sudden, Chilwell was not that threat anymore going forward because almost like now yeah. he had to start sitting back and when he had to defend, you could actually see he's also got holes in his game. And I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it was like yeah. a perfect, you know, inch-perfect pass and I mean, it was a, like a little, just a little dink past Casper Schmeichel for that two-one. And then I mean, just when you think that you know the crowd was already rocking, the players yeah. already playing with confidence. And then you know, leading up to that third goal, which was probably for me goal of the weekend. I mean, I'm sorry to be biased or whatever year, but no, so, I definitely could be content for one of the goals. You see that minute that ball leaves Leno's foot, and that all the way that movement starts. It's like watching, you know. That's the type of thing, a moment where you actually want to be, you know, like a drone and just look down and watch. Yeah. You know, thing gets pinged around like it. And I mean, it was so, so fast. I mean, it went one minute to, to Xhaka, who plays the infield, I think. And then it was that Ozo with a little back flick to, to yes. Bellerin that was already steaming forward. And I mean, the minute he was going to cut the ball infield, I mean, I did not expect that little step over dummy from, from Ozil, where he just ran over the ball. And I mean, that, when that ball got chopped into that pocket for from um, Lacazette, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, like that perfect, perfect goal that you would say, yeah. uh, set-up goal, where it was again uh, Aubameyang just with a simple tap-in after that fantastic little out, outside of the foot pass by Ozil. For the- I think it was, it's just the team just on the same wavelength, like, for this the way that, 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 uh, like I said, knew that Uzo was going to leave the ball and he knew exactly where to play the ball without even almost like having to hear anything. It was like a, a telepathic yeah, thing yeah. where everybody just knew where they were and it, and it's something that's been missing for Arsenal in, for a long time. Because You know, and, and, and for those listeners also, if you want to get an idea of, you know, that, I, uh, that, that goal that was scored, the third one especially, watch the Arsenal on the Arsenal channel on YouTube. They have a training session from you know, leading up to, I think, to the Leicester game. You must yeah. find the exact date. And then you can actually see they are training that exact, exact move. I kid you not, just have a look at that clip. 
because they set up dummies on the on the training pitch at at, at Colney, and you can actually see at at, at that little give and go passes just in that little in the in the penalty area, and you can see it like it plays out perfectly where it, it just gives that uh, you know whoever's gonna score the simple tap in because uh, uh, it's almost like the ball is always gonna be spread left or right, and then a, a, a perfect forty five cross and it just gets tapped in. Oh, one thing I like also of of the the Arsenal team at the moment is the, the depth and strength that's coming from the bench. I mean, um, Emery doesn't. I'm gonna say he doesn't care about your reputation. He'll put you on the bench, like the likes of Ramsey's, the likes of Aubameyangs. They they are on the bench. Maybe like Emery, like he doesn't just put players in the positions wherever they feel because of who they are and, and like, their, their, their stature or whatever, because uh, the likes of Wenger wouldn't have done and taken these bold risks that Emre is doing at the moment. Mm. I mean, uh, what, what I'm actually enjoying to watch is this this constant drive going forward. You get, like, Iwobi yes. gets the ball, turns, goes forward, Gwendozi or whatever. Or, I, I don't know, sometimes El Nini kind of still has that old, old brand of football anyway. You know, you'll get the ball... But you don't have that confidence on this just to, you know, that, that lung-busting run forward and you'll stop and play like a little safe pass back. And I'm thinking to myself, just, you know, get on that, 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 almost like that Emery bike and go forward. Because that is, because I mean, the, the faster we play, you can see uh, we, we put the fear of God into most of these guys, most of these teams that we play, especially the defenders, because they are not expecting those balls to be pinged around. And look, we've got actual, like, you know, ballers in our team that can, you know, do that quick, little triangle passes around you or that give and go stuff or that, you know, that little dink through the middle, stuff like that. That is the brand of football. And, I, you know, I, that's where I worry about people, even like um, uh, Makatarian at times or yeah. like El Nene, because you can actually see these things where I'm like, they are not on that same page at the moment. Or, I mean, I, I don't know how many scruffy passes I've seen in the last few matches where Makatarian comes on and you think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm st- I hope this guy... You know, it, it pays off. But I don't know, at times it seems almost like that whole Alexis, Vegetarian deal, I think it was like both parties somehow just got short chains in a way. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to, I just want to slag him off now for that. But I don't know, it's like there's something that does not, you know, just run smoothly or gel in the steam. I don't know. It's a tough, I, tough I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't think even Uzel can play in the same team. I don't know if it's just my personal thing, like they, 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 they I think they maybe get, they want to get each other's way, but uh, they, they'll never kind of almost both be on, on song together like that. So, you know, one thing that I'm, uh, that I'm picking up is like Emery puts Makatari more as a winger, you know, or outside yeah. left, or outside right. But it's like you can see that, that, um, Makatari always has that urge to run to the middle, which of course, clogs yeah. up everything, like as you said now. You know, it's almost like they, they almost like in each other's way. So, you know, something's gonna have to give there. And I mean, I don't think you know Ozil at the moment is gonna be the guy that he drops. You know, so you know, either adapt, he should either adapt his game right, or I don't know, he, he's gonna be at risk of you know being almost slowly faced out and then probably shown the door. Like you know, if an offer comes in in uh, next summer, then they will probably think, okay, probably you know like a natural winger for that position. Then. Yeah. You know, one thing about Uzel actually speaking about him, like under Emre now, these last few games, now he's working much harder off the ball 
when we don't have the, when we when we lose position, he's trying to put in tackles. And I mean, he was coming in from deep also. Like he comes and fetches the ball almost now as well. Like you saw in the in that um in the Leicester game where he got the ball from deep for that um that th- the third goal we scored. Yeah. So it's like and, and and he's also like making those late runs into the box. Like he's 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 everywhere. Like now. I don't know what Emre told him, or I don't know if it was the protection of having Torreira behind him that he feels more safe for him. It's like a bodyguard guarding him that he can yeah. just go and do what he must do. Okay, so now um, <clears throat> we're going to draw a line on that game. So we talk now about the Europa League's game at Wait, Sporting so, so Lisbon. Um, I want to congratulate you on your prediction as well. You did call it 3-1 and you were spot on. Thanks, bro. Um, as Andrew Senna, we were playing now Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League away. Um, you unfortunately could not watch the game as you had other commitments, I think football-wise. Yeah, football commitments, yeah. Yeah, so it was a good game. I mean, what, you know, what in a way stood out. I mean, in a way, it was kind of sly of, of Lisbon. They set up their squad like on, you know, when they have to match, I need their sheets to your effort. Yeah. It's like 4 3 3. And the more I was watching that game, because they've got the guy at left back. Okay, I know some of those numbers mean nothing yeah, in today's football. But they had a guy like a number nine. He played, I think, at the World Cup. Could be for one of the South American countries. I can't think now of which one. Acuna. Could be even Uruguay. Could be Mexico. I'm not sure. And he was playing. Or he's registered on that thing as a left uh, left back in that four 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 three three. Yeah. And I was watching that game. You could see Porto were playing as uh, sorry, not Porto, <laughs> Lisbon were playing a game, a formation, something like two, five, three. Because that Akuna guy was playing so far up, you can't even say it was really a you know a, a left back. Yeah. He was, you know, looking more like a you know wing back type. But I mean, look, him and that guy, I don't know that guy's name is Petrovic or Petrovic. So the, the right back, Lisbon's right back, they were so quick going back and, like, you know, back in attack or going to defend. Yeah. So they could make up that, you know, the four again in defense. But for most of that game, especially first half, when they went out, because they, look, they also had us on the ropes quite a bit. They had like just um, that Coates that used to play for Liverpool, they had him as a center back, and they had another guy, Pinto. And they were almost like just like a two-man wall. And they were just sitting all the time in their half. And like the rest of the team were just almost like flooding us. <clears throat> and, you know, I thought to myself, look, there's also only so much we can handle. Something's going to also give if we're not going to yeah. hold on. Look, there were a lot, a lot of close calls in that game also where Socrates could have been sent for a professional foul because he was I mean, clearly tugging the guy back. Rob Holding, again, I mean, we didn't touch on it in that Leicester review. But yeah. opening again, you know, had his hand in a weird position uh, with the ball, smacked his hand, could have uh, given away a penalty, even could have been a red as well there. So, you know, we also rode our luck in that first half. But then you could see as the <clears throat> the second half wore on, that, you know, the same way, and that is now where I'm going to touch on what that Matt Holland said with regards to uh, the Emery tactics. He showed a list of, of the last, I think, Premier League games. And uh, it could be even six or seven games. And we go into that games every time, 0-0, 1-1 type of thing. Yeah. And then so second half, Arsenal just run, uh, roll over you. And like Lee Dixon first didn't say, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's 
you know, almost like just a rub of the mole type of thing. Or rub of the green, I should say. Uh, and Matt Holland said, no, nah, but he thinks Arsenal playing a type of tactic where for 10, 15 minutes, there the ball is yours, attack us. Then after that, when you get to that, that, that 20, 30 minute mark or 35 minutes, then all of a sudden Arsenal start taking control of the game. And they don't attack, but they start knocking the ball around. So it's almost like, now you can start pressing us. You try getting this ball from us. And then you see that, you know, that, that in the comfort zone where they, you, you know, they lure two or three players onto them because they know they want to play a tight press game. Yeah. Lisbon. Leicester, did, uh, Leicester also wanted to do that same, you know, tight press game. And then they just start knocking it. So it's almost like you've got, in, Les- in the, with the Leicester game, you had Vardy and, and um, Ian Nacho pressing, yeah. pressing. All, all first off, I mean, they, they did play well. And then second off, when you ask anybody now, what did Ian Nacho and Vardy do second off? Nothing. Because yeah. the tank was empty. They could do nothing anymore. They did not have anything. And the only attack that was coming was in midfield and stuff like that. So you had now the same thing play out there with, with Porto. Um, why do I keep on saying Porto? Lisbon. Lisbon. And you could see they were slowly being gassed out because that, especially that, that, that middle quarter of the game, they had nothing anymore because they were just, you know, woofing forward and, you know, waiting for, uh, you know, a misjudge pass or misheader or something. Like that. But I mean, we were like, you know, sweeping up everything, you know, that was coming our way. And I was just, yeah, go on. There's definitely a point, a good point that you're mentioning of how you're saying Arsenal are like almost give the team the ball and they try to at least go in by half time, 0 0, 1 1, and they start steamrolling the team because I could be under correction, but I don't think we've led a game. At half time yet in, in terms of the Premier League, uh, <clears throat> so yeah. So I mean, you could see, you know, and 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 through that uh, when 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 um, Welbeck scored that winning goal on seventy eight minutes, yeah, it was also through number one lack of concentration and a lot of fatigue because that quarter is almost like he almost like half stood on the ball and <laughs> at the time you know Welbeck nicked it already off him. It was almost like he did not have the legs. I mean, he, he managed to get his uh, you know, balance back again. But he had no legs to really carry him. And that, uh, that covering defender Pinto did not have the pace to, you know, turn up to yeah. catch up to Welbeck. And I mean, he just smashed that ball between the keeper's legs for the winning goal. I mean, it was also a fantastic, fantastic finish. Yeah, I saw the finish. It was very well taken. I think Welbeck's been doing well when called upon, actually. Yeah, because I mean, it's showing now. How everybody is is, is uh, being, you know, made part of the team. Not like, you remember under Wenger, it was almost like people were sulking on the bench. And then it's almost like, yes. come on, it's like, uh, you know, I don't really feel like this or whatever. But I mean, now it's like you get the guys, they come on, they do their business. I mean, I mean, I saw Ozil when he realized at, at I think it was 10 or something minutes or eight minutes to go, that he was not going to be subbed in for that last few minutes of the game. He was upset. And it, it tells you how eager they are now to play and, and want to be. And, but, I mean, that is where I, I really admire Emery because you can see he's keeping the squad ticking and going. And, uh, exactly. exactly. Now you Everybody, know, everybody's happy. Now you know, yeah. Now you know on, on, on this, like the Palace game again, you're going to have Ozil in now. He's going to want to prove something again. So, look, I didn't, I actually deserved, you know, that little bit of a cameo there. Or, you know, uh, Lacazette that came on also with about 10 minutes. Ago. Yeah. He's probably going to also want to put in a shift now. So, you have that, you know, that, that, that the, the, look, you have that nice banter uh, training, and yes. that, you also have that little rivalry also. So, you know, it's all, it's all, all in all, it's like a, a, a 
you know, this big pot, you're mixing all these personalities together, and it's almost like benefiting the team now as a whole. And then you get no, it, it gets you on Instagram, even like the the when they won that 11 in a row, everybody's posting about it, even the guys who didn't play in the game. So it feels like it's their win. It's like our win, but it's not like, oh, just the guys that's playing in the Europa League squad. It's their win. Because that's what Benga used to do. He used to have a, a Europa League squad, a Carabao Cup team, and this team. But now it's just one team. Everybody plays together. It's like, like there's no importance in like prioritization in competitions. It's like Europa League, this guy's are all, the whole squad is going to be there. The, you know, as, uh, like the only thing I find annoying of, of I mean, as much as well as we're doing, is how the media are, you know, really playing all this down. I mean, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not uh, saying, uh, like, you know, some of them go, oh yeah, they're winning this, but it's not, it's not making a title contenders. Fine, we accept that, but it's not us talking about it. Because look, if you ask any any Arsenal fan, like you know, uh, you know that that that's, uh, I'm like a realist. Yeah. We'll tell you straight. You know, our aim is to get in the, in the Champions League. We see yeah. you know, where we get to, like, you know, in the season. We are not talking. I have not heard any, any Arsenal fan. And I mean, I follow them on, on Twitter, I have Arsenal fans on Twitter, and, and I have some friends on, on Facebook. And None of us have spoken about, oh, yeah, we're going to go off and win the league. We're going to go off and. No, we are just being real about everything, <clears throat> taking every game as it comes. And I mean, every game also comes with a different tactic, different. You know, game plan and whatever. And, you know, us as fans are accepting it because we know we've got the new manager. Not much as, of course, expecting that first season because look at us all, as you said, also with the whole trans- transition and all that stuff. So, I mean, we accept, you, you know, we take things at face value. We're not, uh, you know, running our mouth of it. Oh, we're going to win the Champions League, the league, Europa League, and everything. We just take it game at the game. And I think, I, like, when you hear people that are, like, you know, commentators or pundits that are kind of biased to, you know, the old teams and stuff like that. I yeah. think, you know, almost like subconsciously, they are a bit nervous because you look at any of the other teams, how many have, are on a, on a win streak like this? You know, honestly. I'm, like, yeah, I'm still being real about it. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, we're going to win the league. I mean, for me, top four would be actually a bonus for now. I mean, anything yeah. else is a, uh, is a bonus. But, I mean, for now, that now is like, you know, what we should gun for, the, the top four. And, yeah, and, like, and people on us, you know, it was like, oh yeah, Leicester's uh, like not a strong yeah. or this. And yet, when when Liverpool, you can you please explain to me what makes Liverpool championship material if they winning like one 0 at Huddersfield away, and we just wipe the floor with some other teams like away from home? And what? what it's a different? Uh, different story. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's always it's always the case with Arsenal. They'll say. We're not beating the big teams now. Like, oh, we're not beating the smaller teams now. We're beating the smaller teams. It's, oh, they've only played the smaller teams. But you still have to get the job done. And for- okay, do you remember? I don't know if it was like, it could be seven, eight or even ten years ago. Do you remember also? There was a time where, I'm not sure if it was Liverpool or United or somebody, but they lost against all the, the top three. And they it was up- United. It was United and they won the league. Yeah, and then they ended up, as long as you finish, uh, look at the end of the day, you have to see if you get the points against whether it's mid-table or lower teams, and that's what they did. They might have lost yep. to the big guns and whatever, and they ended up winning it without beating a big team. So, if I'm, how does that... If I'm watching you, I'll be happy 
if Arsenal lose to Liverpool but go on another 12-game winning run. Because, look, the, the next few games are going to be tough for us, no doubt. Yeah, but I think Palace away is also not going to be the easiest of fixtures. Salas Park hasn't been good to us. Yeah, but from what I look at the moment, this season, what I've been again going on, I've been actually checking teams' progression from the actual season. And they are, again, the problem that, that they have, you know, look, we said Leicester were inconsistent. I guess, you know, yeah. one four loss for at the time before they played us. With Palace again, they are struggling to score goals at home again. Now, now the pressure's also on them. Can they not do it? And look, we know again we're gonna face again a, a, a you know a storm on on like, tomorrow. So yeah. We're gonna have, probably have to weather the likes of 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 some Zaha and Townsend. But then I think after yeah. that, you nullify them again. Then it's again open season on that midfield and the open season on the defence as well. So, have a right go at them. And I mean, if we're going to turn on the pace again like we did against Fulham, and I mean, look, that was not a, a typical away performance. That was now yeah. ruthless. Yeah. So, I mean, they could also set themselves up for something if we play play them. Would you go a bombing and like I said? Both on the on the pitch on 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 Sunday, I would, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think because at the moment he's very happy letting Auba come on like with you know half uh, an hour to go because at, he's scared. If you see Auba Young stats with a, that substitution things, he comes on how many goals he scored from as a, like as a sub. He's got a oh, lot okay. in the bag. What's what it exactly? I think he's got now. What was it? Two, four? Could be five in in. Five in about sixty-five or yeah, or eighty-five minutes of play as a sub. Oh, as a sub. That that that's actually uh, for those Arsenal fans who are sad about losing Sanchez. Sanchez only has three Premier League goals, and Aubameyang has done more than that coming off the bench. Yeah, it's scary. So we think now tomorrow, hopefully, another three points in the bag. Let's look at. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough, probably again, since especially the way we play. But I hope we take that three points, and then next up is in the Blackpool game in the Carabao Cup. So I hope you guys all have a good weekend, and hope you enjoy the rugby later on, Aiden. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be mad at Newlands, but before we go, prediction for the game. Let's see if we can get to the game. No Arsenal. Uh, I'm also going for two nil actually. Okay. Take care. Hope you guys, fellow Gunas, have a great weekend. Bye. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.